All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. And today we're looking at the big moves around the NFL on the first day of the legal tampering period and the moves that the Falcons did not make, although they did make one move retaining offensive tackle Matt Gano. We'll get into that later on today's episode. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman. been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at FalcFans.com. RIP, still going strong on Twitter, at FalcFans. And, of course, the host of this preeminent Lockdown Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode of Lockdown Falcons is going to be sort of our review of a fairly quiet Monday on the Falcons front in terms of the opening salvos of free agency as the NFL kicked off the legal tampering period on Monday at noon PM Eastern. And that will sort of lead us into some prominent names that you certainly, if you've been listening to the locked on Falcons podcast over the last several weeks and months that I was hopeful that the Falcons would target wound up going to other places, including players like Joe Tooney and Carl Lawson and John Johnson, but perhaps all is not lost for the Falcons as some of the top free agents at some need positions are now gone, but we'll, we'll sort of talk about that. We'll talk about whether or not the Falcons could have really made a push for any of those guys, as well as more of those guys. But before we sort of get into the Matt Gano conversation, as well as that free agent talk, you know, it was mostly quiet on the Falcons front on Monday as teams around the NFL were allowed to legally tamper, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, as of 12 p.m. Eastern, meaning that teams could officially begin talking to various players, agents about contracts as they are prepared to hit free agency officially on Wednesday. And of course, we're supposed to believe that not a single phone call, text message, or email was sent before 1159 AM. But the only news for the Falcons was that Matt Gano would be getting a second round tender as a restricted free agent. We'll dive deeper into that later. And that the first of probably many Falcons free agents that will be moving on this offseason was offensive lineman Justin McRae. We'll touch upon that later on today's episode. But if you're sort of sitting there panicking, watching all these other moves go by and the Falcons sort of being quiet, don't. If you're worried about the Falcons not being under the salary cap, don't. You're certainly allowed to complain about the Falcons' lack of moves. I plan on ranting about Joe Tooney at the end of today's episode, but you shouldn't be too worried about the lack of moves. Despite my hopes earlier this offseason, I've made peace with the fact that the Falcons weren't going to be big players in free agency. I'm still holding out hope that they'll make a significant upgrade at the free safety position. I'm looking at you, Anthony Harris. But we had a very strong suspicion over the past few weeks that things were going to be a little bit more low-key than what we would hope for. As for getting under the salary cap, know that in 20 years that I've covered this sport and been paying attention to this sport, I've never heard of a team that was unable to get under the salary cap before the deadline, which, again, is Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern time. All that is mostly procedural stuff. The only question really is how the Falcons decide to get under the salary cap, which we, of course, have gone over over the last 
few episodes, which is expecting some restructures. I'm looking at you, Deion Jones and Grady Jarrett, as the two likeliest candidates to get their contract restructured. We'll probably get a, a few more cap cuts with, I think, Tyler Davidson and Isaiah Oliver being at the top of the list of those sort of bubble players. And then we'll just kind of have to wait and see what happens with players like Dante Fowler, Matt Ryan, and Julio Jones. Fowler could be cut, traded, or restructured. Ryan and Jones will be restructured, although I think – if the Falcons were to touch those contracts, as we've explained in the past, they'll be pretty reluctant to do so. But my best guess is that we'll probably get a news dump today on Tuesday, as most of you are listening to this or tomorrow before the deadline starts. Maybe what's holding things up is that they're negotiating a pay cut for Dante Fowler rather than just planning on doing a simple restructure. And, you know, in theory, that's really the only thing that would take time if the Falcons are using that time, unless they're working on a contract extension, which previous reports indicate that this is not the case with a player like Grady Jarrett, who is the likeliest candidate to receive a contract extension. So we'll see what happens with the Falcons. Obviously, we're all curious on how the Falcons decide to get under the salary cap and how much space they wind up creating, which is going to tell us quite a bit about what their eventual plans are going to be as free agency continues over these next couple of days, but probably going to be another low key free agency for the Falcons as it seems like it's going to be the case. And many people have been saying for months now will be the case, but despite all my hopes and my dreams that the Falcons would make a couple of splashes, you know, we'll just sort of have to wait and see on that, but uh, I'm not going to hold my breath. But with that being said, you know, we're going to talk, and continue today's episode by talking about Matt Gano's return and sort of getting into the topic of restricted free agency a little bit more in depth and how that works. But before we get there, guys, I want to let you know that bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The NFL might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, NHL, NASCAR, and FCS college football are all in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Get real-time, updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine because BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today at betonline.ag. Use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, sign up today at betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So betting on football doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. Get daily picks, blowout specials, and Lee's lock of the day by following the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcasts. So let's talk about the Falcons bringing back Matt Gano, mostly a procedural move given the value of the position that he plays, which is swing tackle, plus the versatility that he has, the ability to play inside at guard, it didn't seem like there was much of any chance that the Falcons would let him walk this offseason, even though it might save them a couple million dollars. So ultimately, I think they had to decide what level they had to tender him at, and they decided to go with the second-round level, meaning that Gano will basically play for $3.4 million this year, which is going to be not guaranteed. Now that's right in line with what 
some of the highest paid swing tackles in the NFL, like Chris Hubbard and Cameron Fleming make around $3.5 million a year. So some of you probably hear the terms restricted free agent and second round tender, and you probably wonder what that means. So I'll explain restricted free agents are different than unrestricted free agents in that restricted free agents have three years of NFL experience while unrestricted have four or more years. Most of the free agents that you hear about are unrestricted free agents, meaning that they are free to sign with any team that they want. That is not the case with restricted free agency, although technically they are free to sign with anybody, but there are caveats. The main one being that their original team has the right of first refusal, meaning that they have the ability to match any contract that they sign with another team. So let's use Gano as an example to illustrate that. Let's say the Carolina Panthers, looking for a new left tackle to replace Russell Okung, wanted to sign Matt Gano to a multi-year deal. Let's say they offered him a very lucrative five-year deal worth $30 million. They would sign him to what is considered considered an offer sheet at that price. And then the Falcons would have seven days to match that deal. That's what the right of first refusal means. If the Falcons match the deal, then they are basically agreeing to re-sign Gano for the exact same terms that the Panthers signed him for. They can't renegotiate that contract. They are basically inheriting the exact contract that the Panthers drew up in their offer sheet. Now, if the Falcons don't match the offer sheet, then they would receive compensation in the form of a draft pick from the Panthers. And what round that draft pick comes in is where the quote unquote tender level comes into play. And there are three levels of tenders with restricted free agents. The top level is the first round. And this year that's worth about $4.8 million this year. The next level is the second round, which is worth $3.4 million, $3.384 million to be exact. And then there's the bottom level, which is the original round, which is worth about $2.13 million. The first round level means what you think it means, that if the Falcons tendered Gano at that level and the Panthers signed him and the Falcons didn't match, the Panthers would then owe the Falcons a first round pick. The second round level means that the Panthers would owe them a second round pick in the original round level means that whatever round that the player was originally drafted in, that's the pick that the team would owe. So in the instance where if Ghana was originally a second round pick, then the Panthers would give the Falcons a second round pick, even if they tendered him at their original level. If Ghana was a fifth round pick, it would be a fifth round pick. But we know that Matt Gano was originally an undrafted free agency. So that what that means is the Panthers would owe the Falcons no draft compensation. And because of that potential, that's why the Falcons tendered Matt Gano at the second round level, because given the talent deficiency you have of starting caliber offensive tackles and Matt Gano showed last season, filling in for Caleb McGarry, that he is capable of performing at a starting caliber level, given how he performed against guys like Cleo Mack and Joey Bosa, et cetera, there's going to be a premium for a player of his caliber you would almost certainly find somebody trying to sign him to be a starter for them. And if the Falcons tendered him at the original pick round level, someone would definitely pursue him. And then you couple that with given the Falcons cap situation where they already have players like Jake Matthews and Caleb McGarry and the investments they've made in those guys, the chances that the Falcons would match another contract given from another team, a team that was looking even if they were paying Gano as a low level starter, you know, four or $5 million a year, it would be unlikely that the Falcons would match in that instance. So basically it boiled down to that the Falcons had any desire to keep Matt Gano. And of course, why wouldn't they, they had to tender him at the second round level. And that's, what's interesting about restricted free agency, because the way that 
the draft works where draft picks are signed to four year deals now automatically. It used to be 20 years ago that draft picks were signed to any number, you know, it was up to the agents to negotiate the length of contracts for the draft picks. So you had guys that would sign the three year deals or four year deals or five, six, seven year deals. And so it used to be that you could be go get drafted and be a restricted free agent. Nowadays, that's relatively rare. Almost the vast majority of the players that wind up being restricted free agents are originally undrafted free agents because undrafted free agents are originally signed to three-year contracts. Now, there's a way for draft picks to be eventually become restricted free agents, typically if they get cut in the first two years and then re-signed to like a series of one-year deals by a team or whatever the case may be. But that's why you, when you look at restricted free agents, you often see most of the guys get tendered at a second-round level or if they're good or at the original pick round level. So I think restricted free agent as an aside note is an underutilized resource for NFL teams for talent acquisition, because there's so many decent players that you can probably get for a relatively low price, or at least you're not giving up draft picks for them. You would have to sign them to a high enough offer sheet where another team is unwilling to match. But I don't think that's as big an obstacle as some people make it out to be, but all that to be said, the Falcons basically had to tender Matt at a second round level. However, they did have another option, which was potentially giving him an extension, which would have resulted in them potentially saving a little bit more cap space in 2021 and potentially locking up Matt Gano long-term where they could presumably resume grooming him as a possible heir apparent at left tackle to Jake Matthews or as an insurance policy at right tackle in case Kaylee McGarry doesn't show the necessary growth in 2021 that we're hoping to see. Also, that would also solidify his status as a potential long-term solution at the left guard position, giving if he were to get another shot at that position this year, which is still technically on the table where Gano is potentially one of what one <laughs> internal candidates uh, to potentially replace James Carpenter at left guard. At least he can come in and compete for that job. But, you know, I haven't necessarily talked much about Gano being an option there just because I think given his one game playing left guard in a new regime coming in and evaluating that one game, I don't think they're going to necessarily look at Matt Gano's performance against Kansas City late in the season where he got absolutely decimated at left guard uh, by that Chiefs interior offensive line and say like, oh, we want that guy to be in the mix to start it for us at left guard, you know. Is there still potential for Matt Gano to develop into a left guard? Yes, I do believe so. But I don't think by any means this regime nor anybody, any regime should consider him to be their sort of plan A at that position based off of the sample size we've seen so far this year. Now, what should have been or who should have been their plan A is now playing for the Kansas City Chiefs. And that's what we're going to talk about next on the podcast. I'm looking at you, Joe Tooney, and we'll look around the NFL for some of the other major moves that were made on Monday and give you my thoughts on some of the missed opportunities by the Atlanta Falcons as we kicked off the legal tampering period. And we'll get into that coming up on today's episode. But before we get there, guys, I've told you recently that I got my brakes fixed and my taillight replaced, and I wound up paying a lot more money for it. And when I saw the receipt, I was kicking myself 
myself because I knew I could have saved a lot of money by going to rockauto.com. They have everything from engine control modules, motor oil, new carpet, as well as the brake parts and tail lamps that I needed. I could have gotten everything I needed in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to my door. And you can too, because the rockauto.com catalog is unique. It's easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose by brand specification and the price that you prefer. And those prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low. The same for professionals and do it yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in the, how did you hear about us box with a day note? We sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com. So it's March and you know, that means March madness and bracketology. And it's time to find out which built bar is the best all month long built bar is unveiling a bracket for their best flavor with daily matchups between the top flavors. And you can pick yours at builtbar.com. If you don't know, built bars are the best tasting protein bar on the market and they're not just tasty. They're healthy too. They're low in sugar, low in calories, high in protein and fiber, build your own bracket or vote for your favorites by heading over to builtbar.com and make sure you use the promo code locked 15 to get 15% off your next order. Today's matchup features peanut butter brownie versus coconut almond. This is tough for me because these are both top five flavors for me, but I'm ride or die coconut almond fan. So maybe you think the same, maybe you think differently. So go to pick your favorites at builtbar.com. And when you do make sure you use the promo code locked 15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. So before we get into the free agent moves of note around the NFL on Monday, today is a perfect time to check out the team takeover Tuesday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, where hosts Trevor Sikkim and Ben Solak pick a new team each week and break down their roster and team needs and who they should add in free agency in the draft to get better in 2021. Subscribe to the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. So if you didn't hear, Joe Tooney signed with the Kansas City Chiefs, Carl Lawson signed with the New York Jets, and John Johnson signed with the Cleveland Browns. But before I get into my feelings too much over those moves, I will also acknowledge that Justin McCray's departed the Atlanta Falcons for the Houston Texans. He signed a two-year deal worth $4 million. And before you ask, it's very unlikely in my eyes that that will qualify for a potential compensatory pick for the Falcons in 2022. The lowest annual salary for the last compensatory pick awarded this past year was on average, about $4.4 million, although that is somewhat inflated by the compensatory picks that were given out for some of the minority hires. So maybe that threshold would be a little bit lower in a typical year. But I would say in general, anything lower than $3 million a year is very unlikely to qualify for a compensatory pick. So that's just something you know, to consider moving forward. So McCray will wind up rejoining his former position coach in James Campen, who coached them both in Green Bay and Cleveland. I expect McCray will fill the role similar to what he filled in Atlanta as a backup center gives the Texans a versatile backup that can play all five positions. So with that being said, let's move on and talk about the bigger picture things around the NFL and the Falcons missed out on several key players. As I mentioned earlier, I wasn't too enthusiastic about their ability to land some of those guys, but it still stinks. You know, Tooney signed a five year, $80 million deal with the chiefs. You know, his first year cap hit is going to be around $4.4 million. And then it spikes to about $18 million in year two. And then I think based off of the figures I saw, you know, it's probably going to be around 19 to $20 million for the final three years of his contract in terms of cap hits. When I think that type of contract was doable for the Falcons, obviously it wasn't necessarily the most 
fiscally responsible deal, but in terms of the value that it brought on the football field, I don't think it was like fiscally irresponsible or anything, but it goes back to what I was talking about throughout the off season in, in the last couple of weeks, where if the Falcons were going to get one of these big time free agents, it would, they would have to be fairly creative with the structure of the deal and do a similar thing with the chiefs did, which is have a relatively low first year cap hit and then have big numbers in years two through five, and then have to be creative with, you know, bonuses and, and guaranteed money. And Tooney got about 50 million guaranteed, but most of that, like 90% of it is in the first three years, which is not unheard of. Um, you know, I guess in my head, I was hoping for like a first year salary coaster to like $3 million than the 4.4 that he's getting in, in Kansas city. So, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where the scenario that I was envisioning where the Falcons wound up signing, Joe Tooney was probably going to be a contract where, you know, $3 million in year one, and then it would probably be a big number like $18 million in year two. And you would likely see the Falcons be compelled to restructure those, you know, those contracts uh, in year two, probably year three as well in order to help them get under the salary cap. But, you know, that's not anything new. As long as you're getting the value on the field, you know, you're not necessarily complaining about that. Similar to what we've seen the last couple of all season with Jake Matthews, you know? And so I think probably the downside of that would have been that you would have been probably locking yourself into four years of Joe Tooney, meaning that you wouldn't be able to get out of his contract until like 2025 going into the final year of that contract when he would be 32 years old. But given Tooney's durability, so far, given, you know, Andy Levitri played until he was, what, 32, until he started getting injured. Um, you know, I, I think it would be a relatively worthwhile gamble to solidify the interior of that offensive line, particularly for a quarterback like Matt Ryan during his twilight years, especially if you were firmly committed to the Falcons, you know, retaining Matt Ryan for more than a year or two. Uh, so, Maybe you can read into that and say, well, that's just further proof that the Falcons aren't committed to retaining Matt Ryan. Although I, I think that's a little bit of, you know, using circumstantial evidence to make that case. I wouldn't necessarily make that case quite yet. I, 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 I'm not convinced that the Falcons are committed to Matt Ryan, but I wouldn't necessarily say, oh, because they didn't sign Joe Tooney. That's why. But, you know, moving on to Carl Lawson, he signed like a three year, $45 million deal. I think he had like 30 million guaranteed from the Jets. And, you know, it's funny because we often complain about the Falcons not being able to find their John Abraham heir apparent, but the Jets have been searching even longer to f have someone fill John Abraham's shoes since he left New York in 2006. They've had one double-digit sack edge rusher since then, and that was Calvin Pace in 2013. Granted, the Falcons, other than John Abraham, have only had one double-digit uh, sack edge rusher uh, in in the last you know 15 years as well, which was Vic Beasley. But um, you know, I I think Lawson has the potential to break that streak. Uh, but we also know that Lawson isn't necessarily known for being a big time sack artist. And as I've said before, though, I, I do think despite the fact that he may not get monster sack numbers, I think he will definitely live up to that contract because I, I feel like at the, at the worst case scenario it, for him, his floor is a player similar to what Brandon Graham and Cliff Averill were, it, have been in Philadelphia and formerly for Averill in Seattle. Whereas, you know, those guys weren't necessarily like, I think Brandon Graham over the last, you know, six, seven years has averaged about six and a half, seven sacks a year. Cliff Averill, I think averaged maybe like eight or nine sacks a year in Seattle, but they were getting pressures like guys that were getting 10 to 12 sacks a year, you know? And so like, I feel like that's the type of player that, 
Carl Lawson's going to be. And I think that's a good pickup for Robert Sala and Jeff Ulbrich and all those guys in New York. If they want to be able to play that zone defense and get pressure with four, particularly going up against teams like Buffalo with Josh Allen, Miami with Tua and all those guys. And, and now, you know, presumably Cam Newton in New England for at least another year uh, until they decide to move on from him. Um, so, you know, you want to get pressure with four. And I think Carl Lawson will definitely help you do that. As for John Johnson going to the Browns, it looks like they're going to be looking at deploying a lot of three safety looks with him tag teaming with Ronnie Harrison and Grant Delpit it's coming off an injury. You know, as I've said in the past, you know, with certain free agent, free safeties off the market, you know, going into, you know, this week, John Johnson and, you know, Minnesota's Anthony Harris basically became in my eyes, the top two options for the Falcons to sort of find their quarterback of the defense. Now, if the Falcons don't wind up landing Harris uh, by the end of this week, you know, then the next tier is probably headlined by guys like Malik Hooker or Deron Harmon uh, to sort of play that more deep center field role uh, for the Falcons. They don't necessarily have, I think the versatility that guys like Johnson and Harris have, because they're better suited to be more of that single high type of safety, but maybe, because of that, that leads the Falcons instead of spending for the quarterback of their defense in free agency, they spend for that sort of enforcer role, that strong safety role, and then hope to find that quarterback in the draft. And, you know, that makes a little bit more sense given that the Titans cut Kenny Vaccaro and the Broncos are deciding to pass on picking up Kareem Jackson's option, which is essentially cutting him and making him a free agent. And with Jackson in particular, you have this coaching connection where he was the Houston Texans number one pick way back in 2010, back when Frank Bush, the Falcons new linebackers coach, was the defensive coordinator there. You know, Jackson is 33 years old. He is a Macon, Georgia native. And I know some people will hear that and say, well, that's too old. But we are in an offseason where a lot of players are going to be signing one-year stopgap contracts and signing a hard-hitting veteran like Jackson to that sort of stop stopgap contract makes perfect sense because the goal is eventually to draft his replacement. And so if you just need a guy to bridge the gap for a year, then that's all you need. You know, I think this notion, you know, obviously, as I mentioned with players like Anthony Harris, you're hoping that, you know, Anthony Harris would be a long-term solution at the safety, but pretty much nobody else like Malik Hooker similarly is a one-year stopgap just because he's several years younger does not make him any likelier to solve the problem long-term than, in a, or I mean, I guess technically it does make him likelier, but like, it's not like suddenly like the odds that Malik Harris, Malik Hooker, I'm sorry, is going to play five years for the Falcons. It's like 80% just because he's younger than Kareem Jackson. There's a high probability that he's going to play one year for the Falcons. And, you know, that whole age thing, I, I constantly hear people say like, Oh, he's too old. And cause you know, a lot of people think that, you know, if you're not 25 or 26 or whatever, as a free agent, you're not worth anything as a free agent, which is part of the reason why people were so in love with the Dante Fowler signing last year. Cause he was, he was 25 going on 26 and people thought, Oh, he's got so much upside and so much untapped potential. Despite the fact that, you know, a guy now five years into his career, which was the case with Dante Fowler and there's overwhelming evidence that, you know, basically players, you know, with the exception of positions like quarterback, kicker, and punter, you know, basically players peak in years three, <laughs> you know, and you are what you are by the end of, you know, by your third or fourth year. 
like, you know, people are like, oh, well, this guy's going to get much better in year six and year seven and it's whatnot. And uh, that was my whole thing with the the whole Muhammad Sanu thing. Um, but, you know, not to not to go down that whole rabbit hole anymore. But, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't basically the point I'm trying to make is don't discriminate. You know, don't be an ageist. Right. You know, if you're just looking for a stopgap, that's what you're looking for. And I think the point I'm trying to get to is that's probably going to be what the Falcons by and large do throughout this this position group. And, you know, unless they get Anthony Harris, they're probably going to be looking for stopgaps at the safety position in free agency regardless. So that's what I will say. And we'll see if there's any other news that we have to get into for tomorrow's episode. But I will keep you guys locked here on the Lockdown Falcons podcast or team every day. And if you have any feedback, any questions, any comments that you want to provide me, of course, you can hit me up on Twitter at Lockdown Falcons, on Facebook at Lockdown Falcons, or you can send an email to Lockdown Falcons at mail.com. Appreciate it, guys. Till then.